Welcome back to the Betfors Golf DFS show here at BetfordsGolf.com. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today first up by the model maniac on Twitter and host of the Bat Nine Bets podcast. It is none other than Byron Lindicue. Byron, how are you doing today? I'm just dandy, John, but you know what? You want to hear about me. Let's hear about how Ron's doing today, because that is what intrigues me today. More importantly, someone on this show who got a media credential for this week's event, it is PGA Splits 101 himself, Ron Kloss. Ron, you are live. You are about to interview and ask questions for Tom Kim in just a few minutes. So we only have you for a little bit here. How are you doing? What are you learning out there in Detroit today? Yeah, so it's a blast. Um, you know, talked to a couple guys earlier. I'll get into that in a minute. But um, walked pretty much the whole course yesterday. Um, it's about as soft as a course could ever be. Uh, probably, I think they've got over two inches of rain uh, in the last you know, three days alone. Obviously, we had some really big storms come through on Sunday. Trees were down everywhere, but uh, pretty amazing cleanup job. So, course is looking really good, ready to go for tomorrow. Uh, temperatures are warming up. So, um, uh, hopefully, it maybe dries out a little bit. Um, but, again, just with the course being so soft, uh, I know a lot of people are talking about the bomber angle off the tee this week, you know, driving distance. You know, we've seen Bryson, Cameron Davis, Tony Fino win here. So I do think with the course playing soft like it is, um, driving distance is going to be uh, pretty important again, especially on these four, uh, four par fives. I think when we're talking, you know, Tony Fino predicting a 30 under winning score, you know, you're going to have to score like pretty much on every single par five. Uh, one of the par fives is one of the longest on tour. Um, it's 635 yards. So, you know, guys, especially on that hole, who can get it to a really close wedge range, you know. So, again, distance off the tee is going to be big this week. Obviously, uh, wedges into these greens. Now, these greens usually are going to play much faster. And, uh, again, they're uh, Donald Ross greens. There's a lot of slope to them. But with as soft as the conditions are, um, the speed, even on some of these downhill putts, is just not what it, it usually is. So, whether that makes putting a, a little bit even easier this week, um, I, I kind of think it might be. Um, and then, again, a lot of these players, you're just watching some practice rounds yesterday. Um, I will say that I followed Alex Smalley around everywhere just because he was just every tee shot, every approach, like he was spinning his wedges within three, four feet, almost every hole. Like it was an amazing display of ball striking. So Alex Smalley, I'll just say that right now, completely overweight on him this week said he loves the course um so he's a guy i like and so yeah um i'll just talk really quick um so max homo was up here i asked him about you know whether he prefers easy conditions or tougher conditions and yeah he basically said he he likes when the scores are around 15 under par um he's never won a tournament he said in the 20s and definitely not approaching 30. so you know, he did say that he's not going to be aggressive at all. He's going to play his game. He's going to stay patient, which, again, I get that. You know, that's how he plays. But I think this week, you know, you might have to kick it up a notch. And so, you know, maybe shying away from playing him a little bit as much as I was going to. Somebody I am high on, though, um, more than I was, is Justin Thomas. Um, I did that birdie fest split um, last night mm -hmm. that I tweeted out. And, like, he had the ninth best – plus minus on these easy courses. So, you know, just kind of, that kind of turned my perspective on him. Cause you know, he's usually playing it's as, as least lately, he's playing in all these tough scoring events. He doesn't really play many birdie fest, but if you go back in his career, you know, you can see some of these, like even some of these um, no cut events, like at the summit club at Sherwood forest. Um, and he scored really low on those events when you needed to. So 
yeah, JT looked really good last week. Uh, he gained, I forget how many on approach, but, you know, I'm back in the mix on JT. I'm a big no on Morikawa, though. I just think as bad as JT has putted, you know, Colin has been even worse. And I just – something about this course, you know, he, he he's another one who doesn't play many of these easy events. And so just with how he's been struggling, I'm not I'm not going to play him this week either. So um, Tom Kim I'm also in on. I saw him on the putting green. You know, that's kind of been his big weakness lately is putting, and he's grinding for at least a good hour and a half plus this morning, just six-footers, eight-footers, like going through every – mechanism you could see on the putting green like he was really working hard this morning so um that's just kind of my perspective on the top of the board so if any of you have any any other questions uh fire away no it's just uh, is there like something about talking to these guys that are these superstars with these like elite mental games like that you can just tell that they got the sense of like poise or did you notice anything in particular just from how they speak back to you yeah, it's like they already have a game plan. Like, you could tell Max already knew what his game plan is going into tomorrow. Um, I could tell Justin, you know, just with how good his wedge game is. Like, that's what he's known for, one of the best wedge players in the world. So he knows he's going to get chances. He, it's just a matter of can he sink those eight-footers? Can he sink the, the 12-footers? Um, and I'll just say this. A couple other guys I wrote down who have been just really impressive just watching them, like Ludwig Aberg, like his athleticism, like – there's so many like there's so many of these guys who are just tiny like Dylan Wu is like a midget like uh, Justin Lauer so many of these guys when you see them in person like how do these guys hit the ball 290 300 you know uh, but Aberg is just he's built he's not like he's slender built but he's just got that wiry Cam Davis type body um, Taylor Moore's looked really good um, Austin Eckrode is a guy who I followed a little bit yesterday and I, I asked him, I was like, are you fatigued? You know, this is going to be your fifth event in six weeks. You know, he's been on the best stretch of his life. He's like, nope, I feel as fresh as ever. He's like, I love this course. And you know, he was banging it off the tee as well. And here's another underrated guy that I followed a little bit. And I almost started to get a little bit of an Australian accent. Um, so Aaron Rye and I don't know, I don't think Aaron Rye is Australian, but it's, it's just the accents, right? Where's he from Byron? He's from England, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then him and Aaron Baddeley were um, together um, doing a practice round. And so, like, just constantly hearing those accents. And Baddeley, you know, Baddeley, when I ran um, kind of an approach model from 50 to 150 yards, kind of that wedge range, he's the second best player in this field on, on those wedges. And so, you know, I think Baddeley, who was kind of – I think he was the first um, alternate to even get in here. So he's a guy – I think he's pretty cheap this week. I can't remember his exact price, but – in that 6K range that I'll probably have a little bit of too. Anyone else stand out to you in terms of putting since these are bent grass greens uh, in either direction? A favorite on bent grass or someone you want to fade if only for the type of grass it is? So, yeah, so Tony Fino, I asked him about this specifically. I was like, so he's been struggling with the putter. You know, I was like, hey, these last five events, like I think he's lost like over 18 strokes putting. I didn't say that to him, but, you know, that is what the data says. But they've all been on pretty much on bent grass. And so I'm like, is it a grass issue? And he's like, no, it's like bent grass is my favorite, my favorite green type. Um, he grew up on bent grass. And so he thinks, I mean, he kind of flat out said, you know, the, the good vibes from his win last year. You know, he's, like he said, shoot or shoot. He's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep putting. He's gonna not really going to change much. Um, and so he just kind of has that confidence where, 
he's going to be able to turn it around this week, and um, I know he loves the course. Um, there is a guy who I did spot yesterday who was pretty amazing, probably from about 10 to 15 feet, uh, Matthias Schwab. Okay, he was just hitting everything, like 15-footers, like at least 10 in a row at one point. So um, he's a guy who I can remember clearly from yesterday. But, yeah, it's interesting hanging around those putting greens, just the conversations. I saw Luke Donald talking to Aaron Rye for a while. You know, I don't – I don't. pretty sure Aaron Rye is not going to be considered for the Ryder Cup, but, you know, you never know with that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting hanging around and uh, just hearing all the chatter. And for all of those questions that you asked and had answered by Homa, Finau, and others – Everyone can check out the Betsports Golf Twitter account. Any other parting words, a favorite bet, anything else you want everyone to know before you get out of here for some more interviews, Ron? Um, well, I did put my last kind of upper tier outright on Tom Kim. Um, I just think the fact that he finished seventh here last year, he gained like eight shots on approach. He's kind of been turning it around. And like if you look at the courses he's won at, you know, Sedgefield, TPC Summerlin, you know, very similar birdie fests. Um, I really wanted to bet Ricky, but, I mean, I don't know how you can do that at 14. And he's, like, he's either going to win this week or he's going to miss the cut. You know, at some point he's going to get a little burned out. Um, as far as other bets, um, there's a bunch of top 40s that I think are really interesting. Like, I think Thomas Dietrich, plus 115. Um, I think he's just a great DFS play as well. He's only 7,400, like, these are the events he excels in. Like, he's not going to win because he just never does, even on the DP World Tour. But, you know, he's a scorer. Um, I think Chris Kirk is really interesting this week. He's got great course history here. Um, and then Christian Bezadenhut, like, he finished ninth in my model. Um, he's plus 140 for a top 40 on FanDuel. And, again, this is a shorter course, kind of fits him really well. Um, and he's one of the best approach slash putters in this entire field. So, you know, I think if he gets hot with the flat stick, he can go really low. And uh, so it'd be interesting to see how Bizet and Hoot uh, performs this week. So those would be some other guys that I've targeted. All right. Well, Byron, unless you have any more questions, we can let the man go and get into some other DFS structures here. Yeah, no, go and ask Tom Kim all the wonderful questions in the world. Get all these good vibes. Just love on that guy. Like, And I want to hear all about it when you're done, Ryan. I'm so jealous. All right. Hey, John Deere, you got to get up to John Deere. Oh, yeah. Um, quarter end, I'll just quit my accounting job for a week and, and call it a day, and then I'll be up there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll be at the John Deere. All right, guys. All right. All right talk Ron. later, Ron. <clears throat> Appreciate it. That is Ron Kloss, PGA Splits 101 on Twitter, live from this week's event. He mentioned some bomber mentality, Byron. But when it comes to DFS, I think there are multiple ways to win. I also think just being accurate off the tee and having a surgical long game and approach uh, is also going to be helpful here. So what are some other thoughts you have ahead of this week's tournament? Yeah, I'm going to just take a note out of Manu Lee's book because remember I mentioned how bad his approach play was last week? Yeah, called it on the money. Terrible. I think he lost four strokes on approach last week, finished ninth. So... There's multiple ways to skin a cat, man. So this week, especially in DFS, you lean on the bomber narrative when you're betting. Like betting, you can play chalk, you bet the bets, you know that. You're not playing against people, you're playing against the books. When you're playing DFS, you don't want to kind of find yourself falling into these kind of ruts where you're doing everything the same as everybody else. You know, leaning on birdie percentages, leaning on distance, leaning on certain proximities. 
you want to try and find a differentiating factor that you can kind of find different guys to pop. And I do think that it will be an interesting week from that perspective because I think a lot of bombers are going to be profiled this week. And speaking of going in a different direction than the rest of the field, let's get started at the top with the 10Ks because we do have five different players, and that is Tony Finau leading the way at 10-9, Colin Morikawa, who Ron said he would be fading this week for his putting alone at 10-6, Ricky Fowler, speaking of trying to get different than the field, who I imagine will be very, very popular at 10-4, Max Homa at 10-2, and Justin Thomas, 10K even. So go ahead and get us started, and what are your thoughts with these five golfers here? Right off the bat, Ricky Fowler seems like the best play and the safest play in this range, which means mm -hmm. I'm not going to be playing him <laughs> because he's going to be pushing like 26, 27%. I'm seeing three or two very clear pivots right over here. It's Colin and Max. They just seem like, I know, I wish Ron was here so he can look at me in the eye and just say like, why are you doing what you're doing? But I think at a, at a tournament like this, at a course like this, where you're going to be seeing so many damn birdies happen, if you just get off on the wrong foot for a nine, you could land up missing the cut because you mm -hmm. get shoot two of a par real quick like Max did early on in his round one last week. And then he, he struggles to make the cut, even though he shot minus five in round two. So anything can happen. I think we're going to pivot our face off this week, John. I think in birdie fest, especially that's when the chalk doesn't necessarily rise to the top, you know? So I, I, I'm curious into your thoughts. And I love a lot of the 7K players. We will get there. And I think that's where I'll be pivoting my face off for sure because I think a lot are valid options. But when it comes to Ricky Fowler, it's interesting because as Ron said, for cash games, an amazing play. A, because his floor is just so high. Missed the cut at the PGA Championship. But around that time, not a single missed cut since the first week of October with 13 T20s in that span. So he's just been knocking on the door, as you can see, consistently. We're not betting him outright at 14 to 1, especially if we think it's going to be a, a long shot fest here in anyone's game when it comes to approach and a putting fest. But overall, his floor is just so high that, yes, cash games, tournament, I think you can try to build around him. For me, I actually want to start with Max Homa. What do you have for his ownership? Because you called it last week, and we got him at 7% off of a major. And he's still sixth in this field in terms of stroke gain on approach long-term over the last six months. Even And at the Travelers, what happened, as we saw Thursday, one of the field's worst putters, but on Friday, he comes back and finishes just one stroke from the cut. He almost brought himself back to life at low percentage, and now being sandwiched in between Fowler, the highest roster golfer, and Justin Thomas, who I think people will play just to try to catch a hot streak after his last few rounds last week. I think Homa kind of fits in that perfect strategy area where he'll be overlooked, and that's who I want to be on top of here. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not looking like we're getting major, major difference. I'm seeing like 18%, 17 you know, but you never know. That's what we're projecting. This is since last night. I haven't updated today yet, but... Mm -hmm. I'm imagining with Ricky and JT sitting right there, people are going to be going to him. And I think Max being the second best in birdie or better rates this, this season is it signed me up and he hasn't finished well in these tough, you know, these courses where you got to go to 25 under, but he's a really good putter. And if you just get that putter rolling, you know, we can see what he can do and he's, he's a winner. He's done it many times. So if he gets in the mix, he's going to do it. So I like him. And the same with Colin, just he's the same 
He's the same thing as JT. You know, they're both great iron players. But Colin's a better iron player than JT. Anyway, and he's fifth in the field in birdie or better percentage. He's going to be in that ownership range of like 15, 13% where I think he's going to get squeezed between Ricky and Tony. So those are two guys I'm really eyeing out. You know, ideally they make you a little uncomfortable because you want to play the other three. I'll probably sprinkle Tony in there too, but um, we'll see what happens. You know, it's DFS at the end of the day. You got to do weird stuff. Home is still definitely my favorite. Um, in terms of birdie fest, like Ron mentioned, I'll probably play a little bit of Justin Thomas too, because I think it's quite easy to fit two 10 K golfers this week. But yes, I think Colin Morikawa will probably be the one I'll be off of. Yeah, Moving on I'm to Colin the night. Real quick, just want to say yeah, something. Go ahead. Uh, I went and ran numbers from 2017, and mm-hmm. Colin doesn't have that much from 2017. He's got like 200 rounds or so, but he leads the field at like 4.5% of events where he can get to minus 15 or better. Out of everyone in this field, he leads it on a percentage basis because there's others that have more rounds because they've played more, but on a pro-rated basis, he leads the field getting to minus 15 or better. So if you're looking from a long-run standpoint, he can go low. It doesn't seem like he can, but he can. So just know that. Uh, The 9Ks are also a pretty thin tier, just six players. Tom Kim, as Ron mentioned, at 9.8. Hideki Matsuyama, 9.6. Sung JM, 9.4. Cam Davis, 9.3. Keegan Bradley, last week's winner, of course, at 9.2. Oh, five golfers since I forgot Harris English was a WD um, and, and ruled out now. So five players in the 9Ks. Again, very accessible to begin our lineups here with one or two golfers if you choose to where do you start here yeah and the reason i'm probably much dodging all that chalk at the top there is because i want to play sungjay he's also one of those dudes when i looked at him from a birdie rate to get to minus 15 he's sitting and he plays a lot of golf and he still does it around about four and a half percent of the time gets to to minus 15 or so gonna be very chalky i take him easily over hideki i i think they're going to be the same ownership you get 200 bucks off of hideki's price and I just don't see a decky getting to minus 25, minus 30. Like, it's just not going to happen to me. He's, he's sitting there in 26th in birdie or better rate. Like, compared to everyone else in this range, he's outside the top 20. Everyone else is sitting inside the top 10 in birdie percentage. So, Hideki's just not rolling it in with the putter. I'll go to Sungjae instead. And then Tom Kim seems like he's going to be sub 20 when these other two guys are sitting in the mid-20s Yeah, So, I'll definitely roll out Tom Kim at 9,800. As Ron also wrote in his course preview, free for everyone on the site, five to 10 foot putts are 5% tougher than court than tour average uh, at this particular course, which is why we think it's going to be um, a birdie fest, a putt fest, and just really come down to who gets hot. And as you mentioned, Hideki and five to 10 foot range and putting literally 137th in this field over the last three months. So, I yeah. am also concerned about his putting drastically. It's sad, though, you mentioned M. Sungjae as someone who's going to be a popular play because I thought for recency bias, he was going to lose ownership. But if you're thinking he's actually going to be rostered, that's unfortunate because I he's my favorite play in the 9Ks as well. Yeah. People don't care. I think he's he just showed them enough last Good. week. You know, that's the thing. It's like JT and Sungjae both did it. Had those two Friday-Saturday rounds. More than enough people to realize, okay, they kind of back back on track a little bit. I haven't bought it from JT to be honest, so we'll see about Sanjay. But I think I think he's looking good, especially at a at a course like this. Loads of golfers 
and the 8K. Brian Harmon, 8-8. Uh, St- Steven Yeager at 8-9, who had a good run last week. Louis Aberg, as Ron mentioned, I think is going to be quite popular at 8-7. So someone I'm likely avoiding no matter what my model says. Alex Smalley, 8-6. Christian Kirk, or Chris Kirk, 8-5. Tom Hoagie, 8-4. Sepp Straka, 8-3. Adam Hadwin, 8-1. Austin Eck wrote sneaking in at 8K even. So what are your thoughts in the 8K range? Yeah, I'll start off with two absolute fades right off the bat. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I'll give you a favorite bet as well. Go bet Austin Eckrode at plus 230 on FanDuel for a top 20 mm-hmm. and just leave him out of your DFS lineups. At $8,000, he's, he's going to be pushing in the 20s in ownership. Like he's, he's good, he's playing well, but you know he hasn't really given us a top end finish really, despite how well he has been playing consistently. I don't know about that ownership. Just go bet him top 20, get get your hands clean of him. You know, you still got exposure there. Quite a nice number. Plus 200 is very, really appealing. Um, and then Aberg as well. Like he's he's played four times this year on the PGA Tour and hasn't made a top 20 yet. Yet everyone's hyping the crap out of the guy, right? So the numbers are popping. He's, he's a big driver of the golf ball. I understand all of that. But I'm waiting for him to show me what's going on. I, I said the hype train has left the station and I'm not running after it. I think, you know, that the time to get on him was at the RBC Canadian, things like that. But he never even really paid off that much because he finished like outside the top 20 in all of those events. So it's it's an interesting concept there. So I'm fading those two guys. I'll be playing a fair share of Sepp Straka. I'll be fair, a fair share of Adam Hadwin. And Lord help me, John, you're going to be playing Tom Hoagie again because it's just his game has gone to tatters, but at at 4%, 3%, you know, it's tough to like pass up a guy that's one of the best iron players in the world that's 8400 mm-hmm. bucks. So you don't have to roster him that much, just a sprinkle like just waste 7% of your roster construction on Tom Ogie this week, but you never know, it could help you pay off on a GPP one way or another. So um those are some guys I'm kind of leaning on in this range with some serious fades there for sure. Hoagie's been a miserable putter, but when I talked about flipping the scripts and taking short drivers who have great long approach games, he does at least fit that bill. And ranking 98th in driving distance the last three months in this field, but literally second overall and strokes gained on approach from 175 plus yards in that time. So he does seem like someone, as long as he's accurate off the tee, will have uh, easy access to proximity from the hole at very low ownership. So, I mean, if anything, I'd rather take that kind of outlook on him and Straka, Straka who also pops for me, over riding the Brian Harmon and Aberg waves. That's kind of where I'm at with the 8Ks right now. Yeah, yeah. And Sepp's interesting because he hasn't necessarily been putting that well, but if you look at what he's done in the four times he's played you, he's gained over two strokes every single time he's played you, despite having missed the cut twice. So even missing the cut, he gained a total of two strokes putting at this venue. So he's got some f- serious feels on this course and at the U S open. And I believe the Memorial, he just went nuclear on approach. So he's been driving it really consistently. If you add those three pieces together, get that putting from this, this course, the approach play from the last two times, it can be a, like a, a Frankenstein of Sepp Straka over here. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching him this week. Straka and Hoagie, again, I think you're going to get at very low ownership, especially if a lot more people are going to be playing Aberg and Smalley. But do you prefer to prioritize your lineups to the 9Ks? You said that's where that's the range you like a lot. I don't know. I think, John, I'm looking like it's going to be 
those 10K guys and then a, a sprinkle or two in each range. I'm going Tom, Sanjay, and then mm-hmm. Hoagie, Sep, and Hadwin. There's not a lot of guys I'm really liking in these 8Ks and, and 9Ks. So I'm going to just load up on the 7s and potentially try and double dip in the 10s if, if need be. All right, well, let's get to the high sevens. Let's chop it in half here and start with Taylor Moore at 7.9, Justin Sull at 7.9 as well, uh, Aaron Rye, Ron already talked about at 7.8, Davis Riley, Christian Bazadenhut at 7.7, seven. Uh, the list goes on, Joseph Brandlett at 7.6, Gordon Sargent may sneak in a little bit of ownership at 7.5, Brandon Wu and Mark Hubbard, who I know we released in the Discord, at 125 to one that number has since shrunk as an outright winner for hubbard but your thoughts in the high seven k's yeah um a kind of in the middle of the road type situation here is going to be joseph bramnett the guy's mm-hmm. a birdie factory um doesn't play like his two miscuts came at the colonial and came at the travelers which are like turning a, a v8 hot rod onto a dinky little off-road course you know you got to like kind of just maneuver your way around there where bramnett needs a nice big oval where you can just pound that driver down there and use his fifth rank distance off the tee to his advantage. And we've seen him at the Byron Nelson at these Mexico open kind of venues, the Memorial big golf courses suit his game. I love what he can get up to this week. Christian Bezaynard, like Ron said, putting and approach. That's a beautiful combination that he has kind of missed the cut last week. I think it's going to sour some people. Um, the approach play has kind of gone a little South, you know, since he started really getting hot on there, but you never know, maybe a little bounce back week this week. He's on Ben Cross Greens again, so I love what he's up to. And Aaron Rye, since I kind of got sour on him, he's tamed his whole situation around. He's putting better. He's making a lot more birdies lately. And he's been T24, T12, like top 10s. Like He's been playing really solid golf. So I like what he's up to. And then my final guy is Brandon Hu. I like a lot of guys in this range. I think this is a great range to kind of get different, kind of get under sub-10 ownership in like three or four of your plays. Brandon Wu, he's a non-elevated event specialist. Like we've discussed this before, he misses every single cut he plays in in elevated events and majors, and then top 10s and top 20s in in non. So he just does his thing, makes a lot of birdies, hits a lot of good shots, and I like what he can get up to. And then, um, yeah, Mark Hubbard as well. I mean, the guy's a great, great iron player. I'm not necessarily liking where his ownership's trending towards double digits, though. So we'll see what we get up oh. to. That's what happened last week, too. Mark Hubbard was 6,700. We talked about it on this show, and it wasn't just because of us, but yeah. I believe he closed in the Millie Maker at like 13%, which for a 6,700 <clears throat> guy, that's where you avoid at all costs. Yeah. And so, yes, if he's getting he steamed again. Yeah. And if he, so, if he's getting steamed again, certainly don't want yeah. to be on that. Um, you already touched on it, but just to add more context to Bazaden Hoot, one, we know I always like playing popular guys who missed the cut the week prior because their ownership tends to get depressed. And Bazaden Hoot, just because he fit the Travelers so well, uh, he was someone who sneakily got a little bit of double digit ownership. And as you said, missed the cut. Also, second in this field and strokes gained putting on bent grass greens the last two years. So he's someone I absolutely want to be right back on and target. And then another player I have a outright winner bet on is Nikolai Hajgard. Uh, Ron talked about differential play on birdie fest courses, just putting courses basically. And since 2020, it's actually Hajgard who has the greatest differential and strokes gained on these birdie fest courses compared to stiffer putting courses. So given that, 
given his distance off the tee and just approach from 100 to 125 yards, seventh in his field as a long driver, I really think he can win this tournament as an outright bet. So um, I don't know what you have as ownership right now, but I want to be overweight on the field on Hodgegaard. Yeah, he's going to have to be in a quarter of your lineups if you want to be over, double on him because he's I'm sitting fine around with that. 12, or, 12 or 13 right now, but you never know which way that goes. I do think, you know, he seems very popular also in his five starts, though, no T20s, though. So that's just kind of Fair. how I'm kind of, you know, if you're going to look at a guy's upside so far, hasn't proven it. Someone has to have a T20 at some point in their life for the first time. So, you know, it's not like you can, you can say that he doesn't have a T20. He's never going to have one again, but so far, not so good. So... We'll see how that goes, and if he's high-owned, I'm, I'm kind of okay leaving him alone. Lots of players in the low 7Ks. As we mentioned earlier, continue to pivot our faces off here. Uh, Brendan Todd, 7-4. Taylor Pendrith, 7-4. Doug Gim in that range as well. Alex Noren, 7-3. Sam Stevens has played much better of late at 7-3. Nick Hardy. We have Ches Revy off of that last round competing against Keegan Bradley at 7-2. Um, Ben Griffin at seven, one after we called him at six, nine last week. And the list goes on and on here. Um, I will go ahead and get us started and say, I will play Hodgeguard at higher ownership because two of my worst plays this week, uh, will be one Carson Young at flat seven K five top 25 finishes in his last 11 events, including a T 15 last week as a tremendous putter. So I will be playing Carson Young, um, even in my single entries at flat 7K. And then even worse, Byron, is Nate Lashley. Uh, I, I think I like Nate Lashley quite a bit, hopefully around 1% to 2% in DFS. His approach play has been absolutely awesome. Uh, long-term, last 50 rounds, 14th in this field in strokes game there. Sixth overall in the last three months, if you want to talk about recent play as well. And more importantly, his putting at least has been trending in the right direction. Over the last three months, 39th in this field in strokes game putting. So at that low 7K range, he's another player. I want to jam in thinking that's how I'm going to get my leverage. Yes, and I... I don't think that's a gross play at all. Like the guy is balling out on approach right now, Nathan mm -hmm. Ashley. And he's won here before too, right? He's, he won mm -hmm. the inaugural Rocket Mortgage Classic. So he's a guy I'm really leaning on a lot. I love what he can get up to. 19th in birdie percentages, 15th in par five scoring. Got to have those two dialed. He's inside the top 20 for both of them. And I've got him 10th in my model. So he's like mm. way up there. I'm very, very high on Nate Lashley this week. Um, and then right underneath them or by him is Adam Shank, also one of these guys that kind of non-elevated situations. He's had some T-seconds in in like the last few starts, a T-7 at the Memorial. He's been playing really good golf and then just misses the cut. So if he plays good golf, he plays good golf. If he doesn't, he doesn't, which is whatever, you know. So I do think there is a bit of a premium in making the cut this week because what do you kind of view a birdie fest as versus a, a difficult major from a safety versus upside, right? Because the amount of points you're going to be getting just from generic birdies being happening all the time kind of like marginalizes the, the fraction of the pie that the finishing position points provide you. So I'm curious as to your take on how you oh, think about well, that. To, to that point also, it's bizarro PGA championship from last year, right? Remember when we had players make the cut um, in that 
hailstorm that was happening with the weather. But because they made the cut, they had to continue playing through that hailstorm. And thus, like Brooks Cap, well, no, Brooks Cap missed a cut because he had the wrong tee time last year. Those who made it um, actually like lost points throughout the weekend <laughs> because they made the cut and still had to keep playing. But a- as you're saying, if it's a birdie fest, then yeah. we want these cheap low owned options because if they make the cut, then we're going to get more points from them being an yeah. easier putting course. So I do agree. I- I'm looking for the one to five percent plays who are going to make the cuts um, and hope hoping for finishing equity. But if we don't get there, that's fine because it's still going to be a very high scoring week in DFS. Yeah. So in that case, you know, Aberg seems fine to me because that T20 is not that essential anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. just kind of backtracking on my my previous comment, but still, it helps you des- decide if it's high upside or not. But yeah, Ches Reeves also popping in my model. Uh, I just think he may have a little bit of recency bias going for him in DFS, so I don't have him. But any thoughts there? I mean, his his approach play is top twenty and second in putting in this field. So he's just doing it. I don't know what he's like. That flat ball is just like a, a robot autopilot right now. And he's just, he's just dialed. I don't know what he's up to. And it's been a crazy turn of events for Chess. It's like so crazy. Um, also I, uh, yeah. 24, 24th in this field in that five to 10 foot range I talked about earlier. So yeah. honestly uh, he fits this course. Well, if you want to go there again, I'm trying to figure out the ownership more than anything, yeah, especially since he was, there you go. I, okay, well, I can't play that. So yeah. I'll continue to pivot around uh, Nate Lashley. And as we slip into the 6Ks, I don't have many players I want to mention, but if we don't think Ben Martin's going to catch ownership again, I want to go right back to him. Again, someone who is not a long driver, 126 in distance in this field the last three months. But in terms of approach play over 175 yards, fifth in this field in proximity to the hole and so i just want to keep chasing him in this high 6k range yes i love that and he's he's got sour and it's he's around the green play that's the issue this week if you're going to be making that many birdies i don't think around the green play is that significant you're going to be hitting a lot more greens right so that's just kind of how i'm thinking like his biggest weakness is probably nullified the most at a course like this let's go to him vincent norman is basically like a, a aberg light if you want to call it that, I think they're from the same country anyway. A lot cheaper, a lot less owned, and he's also just a nuke factory off the tee. Just absolutely smokes it off the tee. And he's pretty solid when it comes to putting on bent grass greens. Makes a lot of birdies too. And then my boy Andrew Novak, all in the $6,900 ranger. Andrew Novak missed his first cut in like seven events last week. You know, So it was a birdie fest. It happens. I'm going right back to him at $6,900 again this week. He's going to be making cuts like crazy. He's a really good putter, solid iron player go to him repeatedly um and there's a few other gems down here john that i, I go for talk it. about because i don't are... have oh well i mean give us a couple because i actually outside of ben martin don't have many 6k options um and maybe that's just because nothing's popping for me but i struggled and that's kind of why i'm also overweight in the 7ks yeah yeah so if i told you tano goya which is probably the first time I've ever said his name on a podcast. Yes, it it's definitely is. $6,300. He's made no top 20 finishes ever, but he's 78% of his starts are top uh, made cuts in nine okay. of them. So he's just a cut maker at 6300 bucks, And he makes these cuts and then 
just flirts with, he floats around between 50th and last place. That's all he does. But that's exactly what you're looking for from a $6,300 golfer who makes cuts. He's kind of like a Justin Sir. And then Ryan Gerard, same situation. Eight starts, six made cuts so far. And one of them was at an elevated event. So these kind of guys in this kind of field, I'm fine just moving those missed cuts out of their profile when it comes to things like that. So he's an interesting play too. I don't mind him at all. Um, some really interesting plays in the 6K range, which is going to be needed if you go with two 10K guys. Uh, Charlie Hoffman also has gained strokes on approach and 10 of his last 12 events. So trending in the right direction recently, at least someone that may be sneaky and the higher six K's in this range. Yeah. Um, just before though, we talk about bets, who are some players that we should let everyone know to avoid based solely on ownership that you have right now in your DFS projections in the six K range in the six K range. Yeah. Is there Zach anyone Blair like Mark Hubbard last, last year that's going to get steamed? Looks like Zach Blair's right there, Sam Bennett. You know, we're talking plus 5% in the 6Ks, which is pretty pretty chalky, right? So mm -hmm. 5% Zach Blair, 6% Sam Bennett, and then that's pretty much it. You know, nothing else too crazy. Oh, baby. We go, we go right back to Ben Martin then. That's, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's good to hear. No, they, they look into, so. Okay. Uh, in that case, let's go ahead and say our three favorite players under 8K, and I will let you go first. Cool. Nate Lashley, Andrew Novak, oh, yeah. and Brandon Wu. Okay. Uh, Brandon Wu also looks good for me, but I really, I know in single entries, I'm absolutely going to play Hajgard. Uh, I will tack on Carson Young. I will agree with you on Nate Lashley, but to give everyone another option to just pivot into their multi lineups, I do think Christian Bazaden, who is an amazing bounce back play this week. So yes. that gives everyone six separate options just in case they do want to go with two 10K players or maybe even sprinkle one 9K in there as well. Um, and finally, what about your favorite bets for this week? Favorite bet is going to be Nate Lashley for a top 20 at plus 400. I think. It's it's just moving in that direction right now for him. That those irons, man, so mm -hmm. sexy. And if you if you want to play a little bit more conservative, there's like a plus one seventy out there for a top forty. So you can almost like sprinkle both on, like split your stake in half, go top forty, top twenty. And if your top forty cashes, he doesn't do the top twenty, you still make money. So it's a nice bet to make. And I'll be combining my bet with Ron's bet. Because I agree, Christian Bezadenhut on FanDuel top 40 plus 140. Yeah. But I also want to parlay that with Hajgard top 40. You don't have to bet outright like I did, uh, which I believe is still 100 to 1 if you go look on points bet. But you have to check on that. Um, either way, though, parlay T40 on FanDuel, Hajgard and Bezadenhut at tremendous odds together. Byron. Love it. Tell everyone else where they can find the rest of your content for this week's tournament. I'm actually ahead of schedule. I've got all my stuff at Rotoballer done by the Ooh. time this podcast aired. So my value plays, my stat buffet, all of that stuff is out. My, my betting article too. And then, you know, back nine bets on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all that jazz. You can find me there. And then the Model Maniac is just everywhere that you can find all that stuff too. 
on Twitter. Ron Kloss's DFS ownership projections will be out on the site by Wednesday. If you're listening to this early, he's still reporting to the Discord for his quote-unquote office hours at 4.30 p.m. Eastern if you want to get in there and ask him anything else he might be learning at Detroit practices right now. And then, of course, we have the rest of our betting content on the site at betsbriskoff.com for everyone else as well. $20 monthly membership. Now that we're in that range, gets you through the final major as well. So now is the time to jump in. Until then, though, from the Model Maniac on Twitter and myself, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you next time.